Isn't that a wonderful song? You know, every every age produces their own music, and I believe that's one of the songs for, for this age, and for the eagles to set their wings on the wings of faith. I want to, first of all, before I forget, to bring you special greetings. I was coming down the road, and Brother Paul from Cambodia, he sent me a text and asked me to thank you for all your prayers and all your support. And while you're seated, I'll just give a little bit of a, of a report from Cambodia. And this time, I did get lots of pictures. I have lots of videos. But I was coming back from Seattle yesterday about after 1 o'clock, and Brother Tom called me up and asked me to come tonight. So I didn't have the technological ability to tie it all together. But I, I do have it, and perhaps somewhere down the road I can show it to you. But... Uh, Brother Vernon was there in Cambodia, and there were four other ministers from the Philippines, and there were over a dozen sisters from the Philippines, and they came and they used it as a combined vacation and a ministry, and it was awesome to have that many people there, believers, veteran believers there, to set the example for all the other people who are new to the message, just coming around to believing the message. And uh, the most amazing part of the journey was when I first got there and they brought me to the office. And the young man who runs the office there is Brother Paul. And I think Brother Tim has spoken about him and I've spoken about him. I met him in the Philippines earlier this year and the young man is 24 years old. And you wouldn't mind if I speak fast tonight, would you? I had a couple people tell me it was good when I spoke fast and I had to get warmed up for going back to Boston and New York. So I'll speak fast tonight so I can get a lot in in a short period of time. So anyways, we got there to the office and it was like a carbon copy duplicate of the Bible believers office in the Philippines. The racks were the same. The books were the same. The office was laid out and Brother Tim had provided a printer for the computer. So they are printing message material over there. And Brother Vernon's son is very talented with pictures. And uh, the, the pictures they have on the cover of the books in the Philippines and the books in Cambodia, they rival anything that I've seen anywhere else. So it's really a, a professional operation. And the believers that are there, there, I think in the office there's about 12 people that are right from the Phnom Penh area. I don't think any of them are over 26 years old, and it's like an army. And Brother Paul has translated 225 messages into the Cambodian language. And in addition to Cambodian, he also was raised up in the Triangle area where Thailand and Laos meets. And he speaks all three of those languages and English and two dialects. And he's also a teacher and a professor and does administrative work in a school. So he's a busy young man. And uh, in Laos, which is real crucial, you cannot stand behind the pulpit at a church in Laos if you're a foreigner. So for them to do their mystery expos, they have to have their meetings in Thailand. And all the ministers from uh, Laos, they come over to Thailand and they rent a hotel there and they do the mystery expos. And uh, the, 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 the penetration that has taken place in Asia over the last, I would say, 10 years has been remarkable 
And when I first went to the Philippines, I got there and they told me that the Filipino believers love to listen to an American preacher. So we got a room and I said, you know, we'll buy them lunch, have a, a good buffet meal. And all they got to do is listen to this guy from America, tell him why he believes that God sent a prophet. So they brought a bunch of ministers in there. We did a mystery expo, mini mystery expo, and it was effective. And the next year we did it again. And then after that, the brothers started doing it themselves. And now they're traveling to Thailand, to Indonesia. Uh, Brother Danny is going into Japan and also into Laos and Cambodia. Brother Nestor Espanola and Brother June Escara. So these, these brothers, they are real veterans, real warriors, and they know Asia better than we could ever know Asia. They blend in, the culture, the food is, is pretty much similar. So they are able to operate in that area, and for most of them, it's only a two or three hour flight from Manila to most of those countries there. So to say that, the, that they are doing an outstanding job would be an understatement, and uh, Brother Biscoll is the one who went over there, set the stage, helped us set up the Bible Believer's Office, and he had so much experience going to India and all the other countries. So he went over there, set the pattern, and uh, to, to, to see what has taken place from that time is, uh, to me, it's nothing short of supernatural. And, and the souls that are being won, and I'm, I'm not able to say an awful lot about it, but in Cambodia, between 75 and 79, they had a revolt over there, and the communist government took over, and there were 21 million people in the country of Cambodia. And the communist government that took over, they killed 3 million of those 21 million. They took the downtown area, and they, they totally vacated the downtown area except for the Cambodian army. They drove everybody out into the fields. They made them all go to work, and then systematically they drew them in, the ones they wanted to execute, and they had this graveyard where they did all the executions, and they have a museum because they wanted to preserve it so it would never happen again. And this museum, just of the graves that they dug up, is nine stories high. And it was fresh graves, and so they have nine stories high of the skulls of the people that were killed in these fields. And they have documentaries and the video, and, and they show in graphic detail how these people were executed and how they, they killed the children. And, and we have a representative, it's in the message, he's a pastor in the message, and he was a young boy. And he was illiterate, didn't know how to read or write. And he was brought in and he was brainwashed. This was the thing to do. And he was a commander in that army, a Pol Parts army. And to say that he is probably the greatest example of what justification can do in a man's life, that would be an understatement. And to say he's one of the kindest and most gentle people that I've, that I've, that I've met in a long time, that would, that would not do him credit. And in Cambodia, unlike any place that I've been before, their houses, they're all like on stilts. And I thought it was because they had a lot of flooding there. But the reason the house are on stilts is because they do all their fellowshipping down below. And uh, it's like a, you know, it's like a big uh, family yard. And upstairs, you go into the houses and there's no furniture in the whole house. Everybody sleeps on the floor, they eat on the floor, everything is done on the floor. 
but the stairs that are going from ground level all the way up to the entrance is very, very elaborate. Colored marble and tile. So that's the decoration going into the homes. And this brother that I'm speaking about, he has a great big piece of property. They do farming. And he has uh, several pieces of property there. Him and all of his children are there. His grandchildren, his great-grandchildren. So he has, to me, it's almost like a Jewish temple where, you know, the whole focus of their life was around the temple. And they have built a church there. It cost them $8,000 in Cambodian money, a church here. In, in Washington or in Vancouver probably cost a million or more just for the property, but it, it is so marvelous to see the, the, the seating and, and again, real elaborate tile because it's very inexpensive there. Sound system is great. They've got a nice organ and a piano. And these Cambodian people, to, to, to see the level of responsibility they have taken at such a young age, I mean, 24, 25, 26 years old, I, I didn't even know who I was at, at that time. I was lost in, in a fog down in Daytona Beach. And to see these young people that are taking that responsibility and they organize a camp meeting. And, uh, you know, Brother Tom, Brother Michael, you know what it is like to organize a camp meeting. They organized a camp meeting. They brought people in from several countries. They had to organize a transportation from the capital city to the guest house which was very, very, very nice by their standards. And then we had to have separate transportation from the guest house to the campground, and they had to feed everybody. And so it was remarkable. Everything was like pinpoint precision. There was not a flaw in the whole operation from early morning until late at nighttime. And I say early morning because they had some services at 6.30 in the morning. And they, they say they only get together for one weekend out of the year, and so they wanted to maximize the time. And it was the young people that were together at 6.30 in the morning. And, uh, you know, not one time in the whole camp meeting did you see one person that didn't have a smile on their face, that were not happy. And uh, one of the highlights was we had a minister's meeting. At, at the end of one of the services, we had about 20 or I'd say about 20 or 25 ministers. And some of them were denominational ministers that had been exposed to the message just a little bit. And so right in the middle of it, I just, I just felt led to say, well, does anybody have any problem with the fact that in Genesis 3 that it wasn't an apple that caused the sin? And I just, you know, let Brother Paul and, and Paul was looking at me and he was going through the translation and, uh, and, and, and then I just started back in and we just went right into the seed of the serpent and we went right into the Trinity doctrine. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to dramatize things. And with this, with the serpent seed, I said, now you don't believe in the garden that was a snake crawling around on the ground and he was saying, hey, Eve up there, you know, I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit. And, uh, so dramatize things like that. I said, the Trinity doctrine, I said, if you ever do get to heaven, do you think you're going to see like a grandfather figure sitting on the throne and the young guy in the right hand and the bird, you know, flapping his wings, the Holy Ghost treading eternally? 
And, and, and then baptism, I, I told them, I said, I've got a $500 reward for every one of you tonight. And all you got to do is show me one person in the Bible that was ever baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And so they went flipping through their Bibles and there were several of them. They thought they were going to get a big payday. I mean, they, they had this gleam on their eyes and they were happy and excited and, and they just kept looking and looking and looking and went on for a few minutes. I said, well, I said, if you ever do find it and let brother Paul know and I'll send you the 500 and uh, at the end we had a question and answer session and that was really really informative because starting with those three major doctrines it brought a lot of the a lot of the people out of out of the woods so to speak and it was some of the questions that the other ministers asked and the answers that were given they answered the questions that many of the other ministers were going to ask but they got their questions answered before they had the opportunity to ask them so the, the whole trip was just a, an, an outstanding experience, and I want to thank the ministry for making it possible for me to go over there, and for, it, it was like homecoming to see Brother Vernon and Brother Nestor and Brother June, and everything that I had heard about this young man, Brother Paul, everything that I heard about it, they say a lot of times that the anticipation it never meets up to the realization, but in this case, it far exceeded it. And for this young man, 24 years old, I just, I just believe that God raised him up right in that triangle area. And he never knew why he was learning all those languages, but he had a love for languages. And uh, the way he'd have to hear his testimony, it's a long testimony of how God sovereignly moved upon his life and how one day he was at a seminar and Brother Nestor came in there. It was a minister seminar and he was just, you know, coming there and revealing all the truths. And Brother Paul was captivated by it. And the other thing was he was the translator. So not only was he hearing what Brother Nestor was saying, he was telling the other ministers what Brother Nestor was saying. So he got a double portion, and of course he had a lot of questions after that. So every time one of the ministers came into Cambodia, Brother Paul, he was the man on charge. So he heard an awful lot in a very, very short period of time. And so they are, he's pastoring, he's holding the church together. He's a young man, he's not married yet, but uh, pray God will bring him a, a wife real soon. He's a very, very, very godly man, very humble man, very kind, but he loves the Word. And, uh, it, 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 you know, we're living in an age of paradigms and paradoxes, but when I talk to Brother Paul, it's like, oh, Yes, brother Ernie. Yes, brother. Yeah, yeah. But when I translate, and he starts like a machine gun. And I said, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> when I talked to brother Ernie, brother, brother Ernie, I had the same question. He said, that's just the way they talk. That's just the way they communicate. And it's rapid fire. But he goes from rapid fire. Rapid, what else, brother Ernie? What, what else would you like to say? And I said, and he goes, boom. <laughs> And the Filipino people there, they told me it took them a little while to get used to the Cambodian culture also because they're really kind and real, real sweet and real humble. But uh, they send their greetings, they send their love. And, you know, we, the age that, that we're living in, one of the best things that the technology has come out with, and, you know, I've, I've got my tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I, I brought mine here with me. And one of the things that was a great breakthrough was WhatsApp. And Brother Steve Revis, he told me, he said, Brother Ernie, do you use WhatsApp? 
I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, I said, what's, what, what's that? He said, it's like texting on steroids. And so he gave me some lessons on, on WhatsApp. So now we're able to communicate all over the world. It doesn't cost one penny for me to talk to India, Africa, <clears throat> talk to, talk to any place in the world. No fee. And it saves you the cost. And I'm sure Brother Ed and Brother Tom and any ministry that's been overseas has got those calls in the middle of the night. Is it, Hello, will you accept a call from India? Collect call. And ten minutes later, it's about thirty or forty dollars has gone out the window. And uh, so now these these people they watch our services, the ones that speak English. They're watching right now, and they're hearing what we're saying. And uh, you know they they know where we sit. And for a while, I wasn't here, and they asked me, "How come you were you were almost a month there? You you were not in church." And I said, "How do you how do you know that?" And then I found out that they are very, very keen. They tune in. They love the word. They love the ministry. And I just want to say, Brother Ed or Brother Tom or Brother John, someday if you want to pick up the phone and call to Cambodia, that would be a thrill for them. Just to hear from you, just to say hello sometime. Fifteen hours time difference, so it would be easy to facilitate that. And if Brother Ed, if Brother Ed ever called, that they probably have a national holiday. <laughs> So let's stand to our feet. We'll go go into the word real quickly. We're going to look at Second Corinthians chapter five. Start at verse one. Got a long reading, so let's pray before we read. Father, we're so thankful that we are super sensitive to a supernatural realm around us. We know that all things that take place in our world are orchestrated from one of two realms. We just are thankful that we're tapped into the positive, the supernatural, the eternal realm. We pray tonight that you would make the word rich and alive and real. Pray that you'd bless the speaker and the hearer. And have your perfect will in the service, we ask. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. Amen. I came from Renton on Sunday. And to say that I was super impressed with what is going on at the church down in Renton, that, that would be... That would be just speaking real mildly because the, some of the brothers that are coming in there and the fellowship and uh, and the love and, and the atmosphere that's there is really it's really unique. And it's a credit to Brother Peter and Brother David and all the ministries that have been going down there for years and the support for the church. And uh, it's just a wonderful testament to, to what God's word is doing in that area and what God's going to do. So in Second Corinthians chapter five and verse one. And I'm going to speak fast. I don't have to go through a translator, so I don't have to stop and stop. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. 
not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust that also are made manifest in your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that we might have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is of God. I think Paul is saying, uh, if we're crazy, then we're crazy. If we be beside ourselves, let us be beside ourselves. And later on, Paul says, we are spectacles. We have made spectacles to the world. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of God constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth live unto them, not unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Therefore, brethren, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. And this is my scripture. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God bless you and you can have your seats. Coming into the message, the understanding of justification from a supernatural aspect, that, that was a game changer for myself. Because being in the Catholic Church, we had to go to confession. In the Baptist Church, we didn't have that level of, of understanding that our sins were truly gone. And we didn't have to worry about the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and the regrets of the past. And so many people, they would get saved one week and maybe a week, a couple of weeks go by. And they'd be back at the altar and back at the altar and back at the altar. And they'd be confessing the same things that perhaps they had confessed several times or a myriad of times because they had never got that clarity of conscience. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, myself, coming into the message, sometimes you say, well, people, you know, sometimes you need to just come and, and kind of dip your toe in the water. And I, I would say there's streams and then there's lakes and then there's rivers and then there's oceans. Where I was in my Christian experience when I came to the message, I had not even found the stream. And that's where most people are today. 
blind, miserable, wretched, poor, naked, and don't know it. We talked before about how the Jews missed their own Messiah, even though he came exactly the way the prophet said he was going to come. Two thousand years has passed, and some of the most intelligent people on earth cannot look back, and they cannot read their own prophets and see that Jesus Christ punctuated every, every bit of it. And so, here we are, we're living in a supernatural romance, and Brother Branham, in the beginning of his ministry, especially in the beginning, he was talking much about the supernatural power. And he was almost, he was trying to explain to people, you know, about the angel of the Lord. And whenever he says this, this is not me. It, it's not, it's my voice, but it's not me. It's somebody else. You know, it, it's him. He, he's coming from a mystical realm. And he was trying to explain that to the people because the angel of the Lord told him, if you can get the people to believe, nothing will stand in your way not even cancer. And and so I, I was sharing with a, a friend of mine, been a friend for a long time, and he had some, some problems recently, and he had to go to jail, and he was released this month, which I'm so thankful for. And over the years, uh, he, he has grown in his knowledge and his revelation of the message. And I was saying, now, I don't know if you're ready for this, but it, I just want to give a little trial balloon. So Brother Branham was from Kentucky. And if you go in the northeast where I'm from or you go out west, and if you say somebody was a hillbilly from Kentucky, most people in New York or Boston, they say, Kentucky, can any good thing come out of Kentucky? And that's just how prejudiced we were. That's how racist we were. And, and when you try to share people to people that Brother Branham came out of Kentucky, he was uneducated, he was unlearned, and that's the vessel that God chose. He was the right man at the right time for the right people with the right message to take us to the right destination. And so, so when he came and the angel of the Lord began to minister to him and to show him, I, I believe he showed him in the scriptures all the manifestations of Elijah that he was going to have to, to, to go through. And so as he's, as he's there, this, this, this was new to him, that angel of the Lord being there, and all of a sudden people standing before him. And to say there were tens of thousands, then hundreds of thousands, then millions of people that around the world that were influenced and affected by the message, that would not be doing it justice. Because at that time in the Christian world, Brother Branham, he was like he was like a, a hero in the Christian world. But then in 1958, after all the supernatural, all the healings, all the discernment, and any time you hear Brother Branham say something, tell somebody their name, their address, where they're from, what their problem is, he say all those things true, and you never heard one time, never heard anybody deny it. And, and guys that, that were with him, guys that wrote uh, William Branham, a man sent from God, how he could go the way he did, how Demas Shakarian could go the way he All these men that were around the prophet of God, they heard, they saw, they thought, they understood, but there was nothing that was germinated inside of them because there was nothing in them that could be germinated. And so it, 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 this, is, this is my own take. A lot of people are looking for UFOs, and we're spending, the government spending, and, and, and the, the ufologists, they, they, they're just 
totally consumed and obsessed. There's got to be people on another planet and we're getting beam, we're getting signals and we got to be able to catch those signals. And if we do catch the signal, if they ever come to earth, is our government going to blow them up? How are we going to receive them? And they're just consumed and possessed and absorbed with this mindset that this alien beings going to come here and maybe they're going to overtake us or maybe they want to come and be friends with us. There was a movie a while ago, a long time ago. It's called E.T. That was extraterrestrial. And this little guy came down here and he was down here and uh, he was trying to get home. Well, there's an E.T. here on the earth right now called the Bride of Jesus Christ. And, and she's getting message beamed to her from a supernatural source. And we had an astronaut down here. His name was William Branham. And while he was here on the earth, I think about the pressure that was on this one man. He was the only man on planet earth that knew what God was doing. Think about that for the only man on planet earth that knew what God was doing in his church. That knew the plan of God. That knew about justification, true sanctification, a true baptism of the Holy Ghost, a true rapture, and what it was going to take. And how the bridegroom was coming for a supernatural bride. And this whole, this whole romance that was, that was taking place. It was a great drama that's being acted out in a supernatural realm. And everything is working exactly according to God's predestinated plan. And He sent His astronaut down here to earth so that he could beam to us the signals of what our heavenly father has told him that he needs to tell us so we can get ready to go back there everything everything is put together all we've got to do is we've got to get right into the spirit of the word and it never fails to, to, to strike me when I hear brother Branham said I wonder if we are sufficiently impressed With what God has done in this day. For myself, I say, no, I can never be oppressed enough. Because every time I open a Bible, every time I open a message book, I'm more impressed. And I'm more impressed. And I'm more impressed. And I'm more impressed. And I'm more intoxicated. I'm more energized. I'm more electrified. I'm in greater anticipation and expectation every time. And, but, but, but I feel for people, they have never entered into the arena. It's like they're gladiators, but they're back in the locker room. They get, they're shining up their armor and they're shining up their sword, but they've never got out into the arena this is a war that we're in right now it's 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 not a playground it's a battleground and the war is being fought every single day every single believer you've got a bullseye on your back and the enemy knows who you are and when you try to do something for god you're going you're you're going to get resistance and the greater the greater the resistance, the greater challenge it is, the greater God's going to be there for us. And we've got to believe that. We have so many examples in the Bible, so many types and shadows in the Bible. And all those types and shadows in the Bible, they're just showing us what's going to happen here. There, there, there was a... a, a, a a war before the foundation of the world. Satan, he came down, fought with with uh, with, with his with his God's angels, and he was overthrown. Same thing's going to happen here. 
There was, there was a serpent in the garden and he deceived Eve. There's a serpent in this day trying to deceive Eve. He's not going to do it. He's going to deceive the false church. He's going to deceive the false vine. You think about it, friends. This, it takes a little bit of depth. But the whole world, the Bible says, will worship the beast. When I was in Pentecost, I said, well, you know, a lot of the world will worship the beast. But, you know, we, we, we charismatics, we'll never worship the beast. We had, we had pride and arrogance. You know, we thought we were something. We, 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 we were the elite of God. Take all the major religions. I won't name them all, but you know all the major religions of the world. Every one of them is a byproduct of Satan, a religious genius. Every one of them. He invented the doctrine. He sent it down to a man, anointed that man, and that man spread it around. Some of them now have over, two of them I can think of, both of them have over a billion people worshiping a doctrine that came right out of the mind of Satan. And fanatical, religious, dedicated people. And you take all the agnostics, all the atheists, and then all of the, the, the so-called religious people around the world. All of them are worshiping after fantasy. Satan is, he's a good inventor of fantasies. And he comes there and he tantalizes them. And he offers them wards, offers them prizes. One group, I won't mention her name, they tell people that if you become a good adherent to this church, when you die, you and your wife are going to go to your own planet. And you're going to become Adam and Eve on that planet. And they've got millions of people, tens of millions of people all over the world that have bought into that. That's pretty good bait, Brother Tom. You know, if you tell people you're going to become Adam and Eve on the other side, you're going to have a hard time talking people out of that one when they buy into it. And so the truth, truth is God's exclamation point. And our truth is, thus saith the Lord. And all those tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people in the world, many of them, they're looking for truth. They have a desire for truth. Every country in the world, they have intelligence agencies. In America, we have 17 separate intelligence agencies. And most of them won't cooperate with each other. They're all real proud. They want to keep their intelligence to themselves. Brother Frank, the M15 or M16 over there, the intelligence agency in England, they got one there. Israel's got the Mossad. Russia had the KGB. All the countries all around the world spending billions of dollars on intelligence agencies. They wake up in the morning and their mission and mandate in life is to get the highest form of intelligence in the world and bring it back to headquarters. That's their mission. And here's God. Here's God in plain sight, in word form, in video form, in, in audio form. He's right there. And he hides it from the wise and the prudent and reveals it to babes such as would believe. And that's God's plan. It's not our plan. We could never think of something that wonderful and that marvelous. We could not imagine a God humbling himself down like he humbled himself in the manger. Who would ever believe that God 
would humble himself and put himself in a little sperm cell and deposit himself into a womb of a 15-year-old virgin and she had to explain how she got pregnant at 15 years old, engaged to her husband, and she had to try to explain that to him and it took an angel of the Lord to come down and explain it to Joseph so he could understand it. Think about Elizabeth. She's got a baby in her womb for six months. The baby hasn't made a move. They probably thought the baby was gone. Something wrong. And then Mary, 15-year-old girl, comes up there to her cousin. And as soon as she says the name Jesus, the baby leaps in the womb. The whole, the whole Bible, it's supernatural. It is a supernatural, majestic masterpiece that was formed before the foundation of the world. Now, the other thing, think about eternity. Eternity is something that the man, mind man, or the mind of man cannot wrap itself around. And I think 6,000 years that we have of recorded history, but I wonder what God was doing before that. I wonder what God's going to have after this time is over, after the millennium. On the other side, and one thing I know and I've written down and I've punctuated over and over, we will never be bored for one second in eternity. You're never going to say, oh, I heard that before. Here we go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, friends. And here we we think that man is so developed because they've gone from the horse and buggy to the astronaut days. What's that to God? What's the Internet to God? He's got a supernatural communication system. And he communicates by revelation. And he knows exactly what to say, how to say it, when to say it, and how to move in the heart of a man. Because the bride of Christ, she's got a receiving station in there. It's like, you know, over and over we said, if you had a rock, and you could take that rock, and you could water that rock from now until the end of time, and you're not going to get any growth on that rock. And that's how it is, friends, if you try to take the message and pour it unto somebody if they don't have a predestinated seed gene inside of them. Nice rock, maybe a shiny rock, maybe a pointed rock, maybe it, you know, glitters when the sun hits it, but there's no life in there. And life to God is precious. And, and the life that He's placed inside of us, He has a purpose for us, a plan. A believer is a super intelligent being. And I hope I'm speaking to you, a believer, a true believer, a seed gene of God, an eternal being that was with God in his mind before the foundation of the world. If you're here tonight, you are a super intelligent being with a divine purpose in your life. God has that purpose. God knows what the purpose is. God knew the day you were going to be born. If we don't go the way of the rapture, God knows the day we're going to breathe our last breath. And none of us own our last breath. Things can happen. Things can turn on a dime in a person's life. Think about Samson. You know, Samson, strong, beat anybody, take the gates of the city, even, you know, Bathsheba. There, you know, and, and then Jezebel. Think about all, all, all the deception that Satan can come, all the temptation. So here's Samson. He's there. 
And he's just, you know, oh, you know, don't worry. Just beat, beat the army this day, beat the army that day, beat the army the next day. All the while, he got somebody trying to deceive him. And then one day he got, well, I got to whip him again. And he goes out to whip him. No power. No strength. You know, that was, an, that was an, a new thing for Samson. He did not know anything about being weak. And when you, when you serve the Lord, sometime in your life, you're going to come through a patch where you're going to depend upon the sovereign grace of God, upon the mercy of God, the will of God to bring you through it. And there's a passage in the Bible a lot of times that says, and it came to pass. And whenever you have a trial, just quote that to the devil. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Whether you have a health problem, a family problem, a financial, whatever it is, it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. And if you are a sieging of God, if you're serving the Lord, if you're a part of the bride of Jesus Christ, I can tell you one thing, your real problem in life, it's over. It's done. When you know that 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 you know, and you're unshakable, you're ten foot tall, you're bazooka proof, not by anything that we've done, but that Word of God is before you. And that Word of God is in you. And whatever comes your way, if we breathe our last breath in this side, you breathe your next breath on the other side. Brother Brown said, a Christian can't die. Where do you ever get that idea that a Christian can die? Last breath here, next breath there. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Where's the fear? Brother Branham said the message came to take the fear off of the people. Fear. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And the sound mind can only come through a real, true revelation of the Word. Anything outside of the perfect will of God and the perfect mind of God, it's insanity. Maybe in small levels, sometime in big levels. And we are living in a day of mass insanity. The whole world, there's been an invasion of insanity. Sometimes we think, well, you know, our country is the only country in the world that's having problems. Maybe you thought that way about Canada recently with your election. We think that way about America. But I can tell you, you go to Hong Kong. I was in Hong Kong while they were having riots. All out of Hong Kong. The police were there spraying tear gas. Thousands of demonstrators out on the street. Hundreds of them locked themselves in the universities. You think we hear much about that over here? All we hear about is our problem. Washington, 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 Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa. What do you think they're hearing about in Chile? When they're turning the country upside down. What do you think they're hearing in Spain? When the country's upside down. What about Greece? Where they can't pay their bills over there. The world is falling apart. And a prophet of God said. The falling apart of the world. He preached the invasion of the United States. That wasn't a physical invasion with army. That was a demonic invasion. And these demons now. They are at a very high supernatural demonic level. That we have not seen Probably since the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And even then, Brother Branham said in the 60s, if God doesn't do something quick, he's going to have to dig up Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize to them. So I wonder if he was talking about the present condition or to that prophetic eye, if he was seeing where we're going to be right now. And as bad as it is, and it is bad, it's not going to get any better. Because they are just warming up for the tribulation period. And you do not want to be here for that, friends. We need we need a new birth experience. We need to have an understanding that God has a supernatural signal that He wants to beam into your soul. He wants to take it through your eyes and your ears and down into your heart, then down into your soul. He wants to feed you. He wants you to learn and grow and metabolize and internalize and manifest supernatural intelligence, a supernatural life, and only a bride of Christ can can receive that. 99% of the people in the world, they will never even have an invitation to hear that God sent a prophet. And and the ones that do hear it, a lot of them are going to write it off. Poo-poo it. I don't believe that. And I know in my life, your life, you may be the only person that a person, your neighbor, people you work with, go to school with, you might be the only person that they ever have an opportunity to be face-to-face with a true son or daughter of God. Now, for those of you who know that you're a son or daughter of God, you know, that's that's a responsibility. For those of you who don't know that, I would say this is... Do you have 911 in Canada, Brother Tom? It's a 911 call right now. It is later than it has ever been before. We are closer to the coming of the Lord right now than we have ever been. The message is more up to date now at this second than it ever has been. And in five seconds, it'll be more up to date and more up to date and more up to date. And there's this, this, there's this wonderful reservoir, this supernatural resource that is, if you're here, if you're listening or you're watching, it's available to you right now. Oh, if you say, well, if you're a drowning man, if you're in the desert or you couldn't get water, if you're a drowning man and you needed a life raft, you say, give me some water, give me the life raft. It's that time. It's that serious. Brother Ram said, if you had your child, if the child was out in the middle of the highway, you wouldn't say, well, Johnny, come on, you better, you better, you better come in off the highway. And the car's zooming by there, kid get his head, head squashed. We need to be in emergency all the time. I remember like it was yesterday, Brother Biscoll asked me to preach one time and I preached on desperation. And man, I had it upside down, backwards. And I was thinking, well, until before you have to get in desperation before you can get anything out of God. That's how backwards I had it, Brother Tom. But we got to be in desperation every day. Desperation. Where's my next morsel coming from? Where's my next meal coming from? What's the next revelation you have for me? And every one of us right now, we are in desperate need of one revelation that we all have in common. And, you know, sometimes you try to get uh, some, some response from a congregation. So I'd like to try to do that tonight just for a little bit. The desperate revelation that we all have is perfect love. That's a desperate revelation. Every one of us has. So what's the desperate revelation that we all have? 
You can do better than that. What's the desperate revelation we have? You think they can do better than that, Brother Tom? Now, where does it start? The perfect love, first of all, it starts for appreciating the love that God has for you, that He predestinated you before the foundation of the world to be exposed to the message. Then, after we have that appreciation, then we have to learn to love our brother and love our sister. That's the real revelation, is when we can recognize Christ in our brother. Unfortunately, a lot of people, they can treat their co-workers better than they treat their family. They have more respect for people at school or people at work or their neighbors. And they go home and there and you bang on your husband, bang on your wife, bang on your children. And the children bang on mom, bang on dad. But they go out there as respect outside the home. But if you're living in a believer's home, you ought to thank God from the depths of your soul that you have a mom and a dad that love God and are serving God. It doesn't, sometimes the discipline seems rough. I wish I had discipline. We had five of us and we were running wild as kids. We didn't know what discipline was. My father was working the third shift. My mother was working as a waitress. She come home at nighttime, washed her soup, soap operas, and then she was gone. And we were out there running the streets. No curfew, nothing. So discipline, the definition of discipline is remembering what you want. Now, if you're a seed of God, you want eternal life. That's your goal. That's your mindset. You ought to be focused, pinpoint like a laser beam. Eternal life. Adoption. Rapture. That's my focus every day of my life. I wake up in the morning, raptures on my mind. Is it going to be today? Am I going to see the ones come from on the other side? Are they going to tap me on the shoulder and tell me it's on? I'm waiting for it. A lot of people are waiting. A lot of people are going to wait in vain because they have heard the message. And the message is a is an intellectual idea, an intellectual conception. But unless and until it becomes a personal, intimate, covenant, supernatural relationship where you know, where you know that you, you get on your knees, you close, you might be in the middle of a subway. You can close your eyes and you can have the presence of God with you. You don't have to get on your knees to pray. The Bible says pray always. Pray when you're riding down the road. We all need to be praying. People on the other side of the road, they're on drugs and, and, and smoking pot and texting and, and, and all kind of thing. And they're driving down the road and they come down the road at you. They might be 10 feet from you on the other side of the road. All they got to do is just, you know, look down that tech and bang. You know how many people across the world are checking out of life every day because somebody's talking on their phone or somebody's texting on their phone? And if you're doing that, friends, don't do it. Do yourself a favor. Put that phone in the glove box if you're going to drive. Or if somebody's with you, give it to them. Believe me, I've done it. I've done it a couple of times, and I, and I caught myself. And you cannot imagine. You take your eyes off that road. If you're going 35, 45 miles an hour down, your car is going to travel several thousand feet or several hundred yards in just a couple of seconds. And accidents happen like that. I've been around for a while. I've been, I've been involved in quite a few accidents in my life. The good, the bad, and the real ugly. The ones where only an angel of God could have saved me from it. I cannot imagine what the world would have been like if I was living in a day of texting 
and talking and, and legal pot and, and psychedelic drugs and narcotics, antidepressants, all these things. This is a crazy age, friends. And when you walk outside in the morning, you've got to know you're going to rub shoulders with the devil's children. That, 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 that should be on your mind all the time. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I believe. I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got God leading me, guiding me, directing me. And it's, it's real important for us to train our brain to be aware. To be aware of the present in the presence. To be aware of your presence when you're walking down the road. To be aware. Every step. I have friends of mine that are feeble, they're getting up in age, and I always encourage them, like I did to my mom and grandma. Take your step, what? Would take a step and watch. Take your next step and just be aware, because I've had so many friends that have fallen down and hurt themselves because they were not aware of their. Pro- now that happens in the physical realm. How much more when you've got a whole army of principalities, powers, rulers and evil spirits that are out there trying to catch you at an unguarded moment and cause you to say something or do something that you regret. Anger is one letter short of danger and the D is the devil. And it's so many people that are in the crowbar motel right now in jail because of one moment of unbridled anger. And they hit somebody or said something or shot somebody. And then they're in jail. I can't believe I did that. I've never been in trouble my whole life. Oh, if I could only, if I, if I could only have that moment back. But the time machine for the bride, we're going forwards. The time machine doesn't work going backwards. And so let the past be the past and the present be the present. And let the future be the future home of the heavenly bride and bridegroom. So our, our, our mind, our, our mind is a tool with which we think we think. And, and when we think and, and we, we most people don't have anything to think about. News, television, sports, music, entertainment. That's their world. They're feeding, they're feeding on emptiness. They're feeding on insanity. They're feeding on Satan's Eden and Jezebel religion with the God of this evil age, the anointed ones at the end time. These are happening all around us every day right now. And it will happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And it will get worse and worse and worse. In 1964 said if time were to go on for 50 years, the whole world will be in total insanity. That would have been 2014. That would have been five years ago. And he said it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And Satan, he's not even hiding. He's open in plain sight. He's proud about who he is. He's proud about the power that he has. He does not care. I'm just going to wind this up in just a few minutes. Satan does not care how he gets worship. We know that, Brother Milko. If he gets denomination worship, if he gets worldly worship, whatever kind of worship he gets, that's fine with him. If he gets it through television, if he gets it through movies, if he gets it through pornography, if he gets it through any means possible, as long as he can keep somebody away from thus saith the Lord. He's got them. And some varying stages of insanity. And to think that God... Out of all the billions of people on this planet that God reached down and pulled my number. 
God said, this one I have appointed to eternal life. This one I have appointed May the 21st, 1983, to meet a guy by the name of Arnie at a full gospel businessman's meeting. And, and, and this guy, I mean, it's a strange testimony, but that was a divine appointment for me. The, outside of my salvation, that was the most important person I ever met in my life. Meeting Jesus Christ, surrendering my life. But as far as a physical person, that day, that day the word started to come to me. That was a red letter day for me. Everything changed. I had just graduated from Bible school in August of the previous year. This is May. So seven months. And I thought I knew something about the Bible. And the message comes. I said, here I go. I went from Catholic, Baptist, Assembly of God, full gospel businessman, PTL, UPC, thought I knew something, and now here I'm back in pre-kindergarten school all over again at the foot of a prophet. Thank God, went to prophetic university. The school of hard knocks is what most people go through. The university of adversity. Everybody goes through it, friends. Don't think that your trial is anything that God can't get you out of. If you're into it, no matter how bad it is, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And right now, whatever your situation is, you can make a determination. You can make a conscious decision that right now, things are going to be different. I love that... Brother Ram says, from that time, from that time, and every true believer in their life, they have an appointment that from that time, from that time, everything's going to be done. From that time, thus saith the Lord is going to be my marching order. Thus saith the Lord has offered me a supernatural passport out of this world of insanity into a world of supernatural reality. So just to kind of crystallize my thought, what's the most important revelation all of us need? What is it? <laughs> Could you say it one more time? All right, that's it. <laughs> I know, Brother Tom, when I, when I come to church, people always ask, they say, how come you always sit on the front row? I say, I want to be at the spot where the glory comes out. I don't want any interruption. I want I want a hotline. I, I want to be focused on what's being said and not only hear what's being said and see what's being said. I want to write down what's being said. I want to be like a cow. I want to go home at nighttime and I want to just bring it back up again. Bring it up again. Bring it up again. Bring, all those nuggets that I hear all through the ages. I've got notes from back in 1987. The first message, first meeting I ever came to the camp meeting in 1987. And Sister Ruth, she's typed many of them. We got volume. We call it bride food. Volumes and volumes of notes and ideas and nuggets and insights. And I can just take and bring them up. That's where revelation comes from. The Bible says if you diligently search after him, you'll find him. Now, I want to wrap that up. No man sought after God. But when God found you, then he said, now, now search after me. Now go in my word. We got a lot of people who are writing books on, on inspiration, motivation, all the intelligence. The Bible said all inspiration comes from God. There's a whole bunch of plagiarists out there in the world that have tapped into the inspiration of God and they put their name around it. 
And oh, the stars and superstars and megastars missed. The other day, I saw a picture of Pat Boone. When I was growing up, Pat Boone, he was Mr. Christian. Mr. Christianity. Oh, he was like, he, he was like the paradigm. He was like the role model of what a real Christian should be like. Fellas now in his eighties. As far as I know, he's never had contact with the message. And chances are, he probably either won't have contact with it, or if he does have contact with it, he's probably at such an elevated level of theological doctrine and, 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 and dogma that he could never unwind it. You know, I find that nowadays when you witness to somebody, it's almost like you have to do supernatural brain surgery. You have to go in there and very carefully, you've got to unwind. You've got to unwind the apple, unwind the trinity, unwind the baptism, unwind all these things. And the big, some people, they can see those things. But the big thing they can never get over, like Jacob had to wrestle with the angel of the Lord, every true son or daughter of God in this day, we all had to wrestle with the angel of the Lord and come to a revelation of Prophet. Prophet. God spoke to one man. And if you're going to hear the word of God for this day, you've got to hear it from one source. Not not that it was the man. It was the God that was in the man. And so to wrap this up. Brother Branham was here on the earth. And when he would go into a meeting. And, and the Spirit of God would come and he would be taken out of this flesh body and, and he'd go into another realm. And he'd just start speaking back, speaking back what the vision was telling him. And sometimes he had to spell things out. Sometimes he had to get the, because God was showing him this. You know, the past, the present, and the future, it's all, it's, it's all mingled with God. It, 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 there's, there's no past, present, future. Everything is eternal. So when he has his, like a submarine, but when the, the, the submarine wants to go up scope and he wants to show him the past or the present or the future, that's a prophet. A prophet is God's newsman for this generation. And so we have tomorrow's headlines today, if you want them. But if you if it was a newspaper, if you didn't read the newspaper, you wouldn't know what the newspaper said. You wouldn't know what the editor said. You wouldn't know what happened around the world. And we have that now. We have it right now available to you. There might be some people who think, well, that, that sounds like it's too good to be true. I had the same feel. still had the same feeling. The message is the only thing in the world that sounds like it's too good to be true. And yet, this finite man cannot even understand the finite mind of God. Haven't seen, ears haven't heard. The mind of man has not even begun to imagine the things God has for those that love him and are called together for his purpose. But he has revealed them to us by his spirit. Oh, I love that. I, 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 I used to have people. Oh, I never heard. You'll never know. But they leave out that one. But God hath revealed it to it by his spirit. So here's the premise. Bottom line. Last thing. Brother Branham. 
prophet of God, standing on the earth. He's like a, a shortwave radio. And the shortwave radio is here. And if you have a good shortwave radio, you can hear voices from Italy, England, Spain, all over South America, Central America, Africa, Asia. You can, if you've got a good shortwave radio, all you got to do is tune it. Tune it, tune it. Now, I've been around some guys that were just, they were those walkie-talkie guys, and they were real high level. They said there was not a country, a civilized country in the world, that they were not able to get the information of where to tune in to get the voice from that country. Brother Branham says, many voices in the world, many voices are vying for your attention in the business world. Entertainment, sports, music, political, all these voices out there, everyone, they want five minutes. Just give me five minutes. Just give me ten minutes. Next thing you know, ten minutes becomes twenty. Twenty minutes becomes an hour. Next thing, oh, I just, I just wasted two hours of my time. What could you have done if you had redeemed that two hours and spent two hours reading a message book, reading your Bible, listening to a message, rolling down the road? You have thus saith the Lord. You have inspirational radio available to you. Now, we used to think, Brother Tom, back in Dick Tracy days where he had that watch on, on his arm there, that, that was like science fiction way back in the 50s. I'm really dating myself now. Do you remember Tom's Superman comic books? I that that was Superman comic books, and that day it was like video games are today. You're in tune, Superman, and there was Bizarro World, brother Tom. That was the alternate universe. We were reading about an alternate universe back in the fifties and the sixties, not knowing it was going to become the alternate universe was going to become a reality to us. So my last thing is I, I, I ask you, I plead with you, tune in to supernatural radio. Thus saith the Lord radio, rapture radio. Let's stand to our feet. Wonderful that God gives us the ability to walk, we call them sacred sands. Footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. It's hard to imagine the God that we serve. He knows every single person on the face of the earth. He knows their history. He knows everything they ever did, everything they ever said, everything they ever thought, and every motive. For everything they ever said, did, or thought. That's a powerful God. And that's the God that wants to live and rule and reign in your heart. And take you like a focused laser beam right to the rapture. Let's bow our heads. Father, we're looking forward to holiday over on the U.S. side. Thanksgiving time. I'm so thankful I can enjoy two Thanksgiving, Canadian and U.S. Our brother Branham said that we should have Thanksgiving every day, like Mother's Day every day. Every day of our, every day is a holiday when you're free, when you know who you are, 
when you know what you have been saved from, when you know your destination, when you know you're an eternal being, when you know you're going to walk on streets of gold, you're going to enjoy a wedding supper, you're going to rule and reign with Christ throughout all of eternity. My, oh my, if people said, oh, I wish I could hit the lottery. If you're here today, friends, you have hit something so much greater than every lottery combined all over the face of the earth because nothing can be compared to eternal life. I want to I want to just ask you. It's late late hour. I know it's time to go, but I want you to just contemplate. Does does what I'm saying seem far-fetched to you that God had one man, a fellow from Kentucky, an uneducated man? Like Jesus, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Kentucky from an uneducated man? And yet that man was going to pray for kings and monarchs and potentates, was going to travel around the world, going to manifest the the intelligence of a botanist and a zoologist and a medical doctor and every kind of of intelligence in the world. And it all resided in one man. With the mind of God. And the many people who followed him. They wrote him off. Before the greatest part of his ministry. Never heard. Seven church ages. Never heard about seven seals. Never heard the future home. Of the heavenly bridegroom and bride. This is. An elaborate. Supernatural invitation. That God has rolled out to you. If you're here tonight. No matter where you are, no matter what condition you are, tonight, everything can change for you. Everything can change for a mom or a dad or children or a family or a business or an employer or an employee or a student or a teacher. Any area of life, God knows what's going on and he knows how to make everything that's good he knows how to make it better and everything that's better he knows how to make it best and everything that's best he knows how to turn it into eternal i would invite you tonight to examine your heart examine your life and say what if what if what is being spoken is true If God has come down and God has invited me out of billions of people on the face of the earth, if God has given me an invitation to become a part of a divine, royal, supernatural aristocracy, and I'm surrounded with other men and women of God that are walking, talking, supernatural encyclopedias who have been following the mind of God for years, And have the wisdom of God. I'm blessed. Beyond any measure. And I I challenge you. Take advantage of the opportunity. That God has given you tonight. To come up higher. God's high. And he's deep. And he's wide. And he's beautiful. And he's rich. And he's sweet. And he's pure. He's beyond any ability for a man or a woman. To fully describe him. I want to thank you for being here tonight. And I want to sing that song, These Are the Days of Elijah. Just one verse, and I'll ask Brother Tom to come. And these are the days of Elijah. You see, I would have loved to have been there in the days of Elijah and watch him go up in the chariot or with Elisha be there. 
I would have loved to have been there with John the Baptist who was Elijah. You think you would have followed him? Eating grasshoppers and honey, wild skin, dipping people in water where there was no doctrine for that. Nobody ever heard of baptism. Here's this wild guy out there railing against all the denominations of Israel, the most religious place on earth the most educated religious people on earth call him a generation of vipers friends we are not survivors overcomers of this generation of vipers in this day let's sing that song the days of